Hey everybody, welcome to Here's the Deal with Rick Countryman. I'm super glad that you are joining me. It's May 26th, it's uh, Wednesday, May 26th, and it is noon. I, I do these live on Facebook, but then it's also converted over to my podcast. And uh, I know that most of you watch this later on uh, throughout the week, or you listen to it later on. But uh, there are some of you that do join me live on Wednesdays, and I'm thankful uh, for that. Hey, I want to make sure that you realize you can send me uh, questions anytime you want at rickc at bbg.org. rickc at bbg.org. You can text me if you have my phone number, see me at church, you can ask me questions, uh, email me. Any way you can get a question to me would be great. I received a lot of fantastic emails this past week on topics and, and things that you would like me maybe to discuss. A lot of you are wanting this podcast to be longer, and uh, I'm, not sure I'm not sure where I'm at with that right now. I, right now it's about 15 to 20 minutes long, and, and I kind of like the, the rhythm of it, but who knows? We'll, we'll see what, what happens. So, I've had an incredibly busy week uh, this past week. Some of you may know this, maybe you don't. I'm, I'm also the varsity baseball coach at Big Valley Christian School. And this past uh, week, or last week, we had our last three games, okay? We had a game on Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Thursday was senior night. It was our last game of the year. It was fantastic. We actually had a great week. We won all three of our games. And then on Friday, um, uh, my daughter had her wedding rehearsal. And on Saturday um, was this incredible moment where my daughter and uh, Grace and Connor Foster held hands and the preachers shared vows and they entered into this amazing thing called marriage. And uh, it was really, really beautiful. The best part of a wedding, in my opinion, are the vows. That, that's the weighty moment. And our preacher, uh, Pastor Gordon Rumble, really brought the word. He brought the scriptures into that moment and what the role of, a, of the man is, what the role of a woman is. It was really, really special. And then afterwards, we, we partied. We had a great time. Man, people talking, hanging out, dance floor was packed full of people dancing. Young people were dancing, middle-aged people were dancing, old people uh, were, were dancing. I danced so much that, man, my hips were killing me the next day. <laughs> so um, I was asked uh, about, you know, celebrating at a wedding while I was at the wedding. And I'm going to take you back to a moment. It was about probably 1985 or so. I hadn't been a pastor very long, maybe maybe only a year or so. And I was asked to do my very first wedding, and um, or it was like my second wedding. I, I'd only done a couple of them, and uh, so 
we go through the rehearsal, you know, on Friday, and, and you know, everybody kind of found their spots, and we walked through all the stuff, and you know, everybody walked in on different songs, and then the bride walked down during her song, and it was really just great, and I was super nervous because I hadn't done very many weddings at, at this point. And so now we're in the ceremony. It's now Saturday. We're in the ceremony and we're in this church. I don't even remember the church. I don't even remember the couple to be straight up with you, but they came walk, walking down. Who gives this woman to be married to this man? I said, you know, her mother and I. And they walked up and we went through the message and we went, went through the vows and, and um, they exchanged rings and, and, and then they kissed and and I, you know, pronounced them husband and wife. And when I did that, this music went on. Now, was it in the ceremony? The bride and the groom didn't know it was even going to happen. It was all done by the groomsmen and the bridesmaids. So as soon as I declared them husband and wife kind of a thing, this music went on. It was the song from Cool and the Gang, Celebrate celebrate good times come on you know and all of a sudden in this church this music just went on and all the bridesmaids started dancing up on the stage and all the groomsmen started dancing on the stage and 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 then the bride and the, <coughs> the groom kind of looked at each other and then <coughs> they started to dance and then slowly but surely obviously the people in the audience didn't know they started kind of popping up, and they started dancing in the middle of the aisles, and I was sitting there as this young preacher going, you know, is this, is this right? <laughs> is, is this okay? I didn't know. I'd never seen this before in a wedding, and frankly, it's never happened to me before or, or after. But as I was there, I, I began, you know what, thinking to myself, <coughs> If there was ever a time to celebrate, if there was ever a time to hip hip away, if there was ever a time to start dancing and shouting and hoop hoop around, you know, hooraying, it's when two people come together with God as their witness, others as their witness, and they make a vow to one another. And, and you know what? Pretty soon, I started dancing, and so the church, everybody inside the church building was dancing, the groomsmen were dancing, the bridesmaids were dancing, the couple was dancing, and now I was dancing, and I'm a horrible dancer. But it was, um, you know, weddings are these great moments of celebration, and the wedding that my daughter had was super great. It was a great celebration of God's faithfulness in her life, and Connor's life, and them coming together, and starting a new family, and all of that. So all that to say, I had a super, super busy um, uh, week. Looking forward to getting maybe back into my normal rhythm of things now that I'm not coaching and there's not a wedding on the horizon. And so I thought I'd uh, do a couple things here real quick um, before I get into the main topic, which is Black Lives Matter. So I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, I, I talked about transgender athletes and it kind of gave my thoughts and opinions on 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 that topic and today <coughs> I read this article by um, Chelsea Mitchell uh, she's an award-winning athlete from Canton High uh, uh, Canton High School in Connecticut uh, 
and she's now running a collegiate track, and she wrote an op-ed in the USA Today, and I read this, and I thought it was interesting. I'm going to read just a piece of it. She says this, quote, this is Chelsea talking, quote, I was the fastest girl in Connecticut, but transgender athletes made it an unfair fight. When I raced transgender athletes on the track, colleges didn't see the fastest female in Connecticut. They saw a second or third place runner. It's February 2020. I'm crouched at the starting line of the high school girls 55 meter indoor race. This should be one of the best days of my life. I'm running in the state championship and I'm ranked the fastest high school female in the 55 meter dash in the state. I should be feeling confident. I should know that I have a strong shot at winning. Instead, all I can think about is how all my training, everything I've done to maximize my performance might not be enough simply because there's a transgender runner in the line with an enormous physical advantage. I won that race and I'm grateful, but time after time I have lost. I've lost four women's state championship titles, two All England Awards, uh, New England Awards, and numerous other spots on the podium to chant transgender runners. I was bumped to third place in the 55 meter dash in 2019 behind two transgender runners. With every loss, it gets harder and harder to try again. That's a devastating experience. It tells me that I'm not good enough that my body isn't good enough, and that no matter how hard I work, I am unlikely to succeed because I'm a woman. End quote. I want you to know something. It, the article's longer than this, but it was really well written, and I'm, I'm pretty shocked that the USA Today would print this in the culture we live in. In fact, I... I I applaud them for printing this. And uh, that, this kind of goes to what I was talking about uh, in an earlier podcast, like I said, whether it was a week or two weeks or three weeks ago. The Bible says that God makes us male and female. You either have two X chromosomes or you have an X and a Y chromosome. And that's just biology. That's basic biology. That's basic genetics. You're either male or a female. And it really doesn't matter what you think you are or what you feel you are. You are what the genetics say. So that was a great article in USA uh, Today. I also, this past week, uh, on my Facebook page, and uh, I don't know if I put it on here as a deal or not, but uh, posted the, uh, this article that was dated on uh, the 5th. From Newsweek magazine, it says Pasadena's Harvest Church wins lawsuit against Gavin Newsom lifting worship restrictions. And this church really was representing all good Bible-believing churches. 
And when the governor came out and said, hey, listen, everybody has to shut down and unless you're essential. And if you were a target and you sold belts and you know dental floss and uh, bicycles and televisions and you know batteries, you were okay, you were open, you were essential. If you were a Lowe's that sold nails and screws and skill saws and those kinds of things, you were essential, you could stay open. But the church was deemed unessential. What, what happens at the church, the, the interaction between Christ's uh, uh, followers, fellowship, prayers that pastors pray for their people, all the things that go on at church was deemed uh, unessential, and so we were required or you know, told to shut down. Well, this church took the whole thing to court and they won. And everybody knew they were going to win. I knew they were going to win. Most people knew they were going to win. And that's because of this thing that we have called the First Amendment. And um, I printed something off that I just want to read to you in case you don't know what the First Amendment is. Okay, The First Amendment protects several basic freedoms in the United States, including freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, the right to assemble, and the right to petition the government. It was a part of the Bill of Rights that was added to the Constitution on December 15th, 1791. Well, uh, our, our liberal you know, courts here, the Ninth Circuit Supreme Court, and everybody even said, hey, Governor Newsom, you cannot do that. You, you, you do not have the right to shut a church down. They have the right to, to practice their religion the way they see fit. And so we won uh, that, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. It gives you hope, doesn't it, for, um, for the future. So with that, I, I, in the, my last five, six, seven minutes here, I want to kind of talk to you a, a, a little bit about Black Lives Matter matters. Uh, I was asked... Um, Yesterday or the day before, I don't know what day it was, but I was actually in a Target and somebody asked me if I had ever marched in some sort of protest or whatever. And I thought about it, I said, yeah, a couple of times. I marched um, for a, it was a pro-life event. The purpose of the event was to shed light on the fact that babies are being murdered, they're being slaughtered at an incredible rate in our country and the world and while they're in their mother's wombs. And this was a march that just simply shed light on that fact. Uh, once again, science and, and all of that is on our side. When that microscopic sperm and microscopic egg get together in a woman's womb, life begins at that moment. That is life. In fact, I'm standing here right now because 60 plus years ago, uh, a sperm and an egg got together in my mother's womb and life began. And guess what? It's been moving forward on a continuum, if you will, for 60 years. And the same thing is true for you. And, and for me, I have a biblical worldview that you know, life begins in the womb. Life is sacred. God creates it. And we shouldn't be 
you know, sucking out, you know, sucking it out into a sink or whatever, or cutting it up or whatever. That this is just horrifying to me. So yeah, I have marched in something, and then they ask, well, have you ever marched in a, a Black Lives uh, Movement protest? And Modesto had a number of them. I said, no, I haven't, and I, I, I wouldn't. And this person, actually there were two gals, asked why, and we had an interesting conversation. And so I, I, I want to just share something with you about all of that. The First Amendment that I just read, it, um, it guarantees that, it, that you know, people can protest and, and march uh, about anything they, they want. And, and, and so Black Lives Matter, the organization, it has the right to organize a protest, a march, and demonstrate, and all of that, and I would, I'd fight for the right to do that. Uh, the issue becomes this, and, and when I was running for mayor, I was asked this question a lot, maybe a hundred times. Hey, do you believe that black lives matter? And I would always say, absolutely they matter. Black people matter. Black human beings matter. And I, without hesitation, would answer that question. The issue isn't whether black human beings matter. Obviously they matter. In my biblical worldview, all human life matters because all human life was created by God. And it's sacred and holy because human life was created in the very image of God, right? A deer was created by God, but not in God's image. A, a, a seal was created by God, but not in God's image. Uh, an, an eagle was created by God, but not in God's image. But we were, human beings were, regardless of the color of your skin, whether it's black or brown or white or whatever. And so a proper biblical worldview is, is that yes, black lives matter without a doubt. Yesterday, I went on to the Black Lives Matter webpage, their official webpage. And I literally went through the whole thing because I just wanted to see what the organization was about, which is different than do black lives matter? Obviously they matter. I don't know one person who would say black lives don't matter. Literally, I don't know one person. Every person I know, whether they're Christians or non-Christians, would absolutely say black lives matter. Every single person at the church that I pastor at would say black lives matter. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. The issue becomes the organization, which, as I said yesterday, I spent about, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes just going through their whole website, and, and, it, and I've done that before, and some of the content has changed. Some of the content that used to be on there isn't on there anymore, but I did find this sheet of paper, and I printed it off. This was yesterday. It may not be there today, but it was there yesterday. And this was the BLM demands. This is what Black Lives Matter, the organization, demands. Okay? Here's the first one. I'm going to read that there's seven of them. The first one is this: that this is what's super critical to the organization. These are the seven demands that Black Lives Matter has. The first one is, is convict and ban. President Trump 
from future political office. Okay? That, that's their number one demand. Black Lives Matter, their organization, is to convict and ban Trump from future political office. Okay, I, I don't know whether I agree with that. I think any American citizen has the right to run for office. I ran for mayor. It doesn't matter, you know, what color your skin is. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Obviously, money might help you win, but people are free in this country to run for sheriff or run for city council or run for, um, you know, the school board or run for the Senate or the Congress uh, or run for the MID board or run for president. Here's their second demand to expel Republican members of Congress who attempted to overturn the election and incite a white supremacist attack. Okay, that, that's their second demand. You, the, the organization. So when people are out there marching, my assumption is they're marching for these things. Number three, launch a full investigation into the ties between white supremacy and the Capitol Police, law enforcement, and military. That's their third uh, demand. Um, in their minds, and they have little paragraphs underneath it, in their mind, anybody who was at that rally at the Capitol that day was there for one reason and one reason only, and that was to, you know, overrun the Capitol and, you know, attempt the coup. There were lots of people there who did that, and that was wrong, and that was evil, and that was wicked, and it needs to be condemned, and those people need to be you know, prosecuted to the full extent of the law. But there were a whole lot of people there who were there in support of democracy, and they had nothing to do with what took place inside the Capitol building. So just because you were there doesn't mean you agreed with what was going on. It's just like at a lot of Black Lives Matter rallies, there are people there who really are rallying for, you know, justice or whatever it is, or these seven things. And then there's always the losers who break windows and loot stores. And that doesn't represent the, the, the people who are, you know, you know, marching for Black Lives Matter. You don't want to lump them all together. You have to realize there's bad apples in every bunch, and guess what? There were bad apples that day at the Capitol, no doubt about it. Okay. Here, number four, permanently ban Trump from all digital, digital media platforms. Okay, so the First Amendment doesn't apply to, to Trump. You and I have the right to freedom of speech. I don't have to like your speech. You don't have to like my speech. In fact, I guarantee there are going to be people who see this right now who aren't happy with what I'm saying. And, and, and that's okay. I have the freedom to say this and share my opinions with you because of the First Amendment. It's part of the country, that you know, laws of the country we live in. Number five, defund the police. Well, look, when I was on the campaign trail running for mayor of Modesto, I was asked that question, are you for defunding the police? And I always said, no, absolutely not. In fact, if anything, I think we need to get the police departments more money so, A, they can pay their, their officers what they're worth. 
Those guys and gals, man, put their lives on the line every day for us so we can have a, a, a civilized society. Obviously, there's some bad apples in the bunch. I get it. But defunding the police is just idiotic, in my opinion. Number six, don't let the coup be used as an excuse to crack down on our movement. And number seven, pass the Breathe Act. And I don't want to go into what the Breathe Act is. And so those are the seven demands. If you were to go to the Black Lives Matter organization website, these are the things that they're demanding. So it's my assumption that when they gather and rally and they march down the streets, these are the seven things that everybody in that group is saying, we're with you. Count us in. These seven things we demand also. Well, here's the deal. I believe that black lives matter. But I don't agree with these. I don't agree with the seven things I just read off to you. I don't believe in the demands of the Black Lives Matter organization, the ideology behind the Black Lives movement. So I separate the two. I, I'm all for you know Black Lives Matter because they do matter. They're made in the very image of God, just as I was made in the very image of God. Okay? But I don't agree with their ideology of the organization, and I can separate those two. So no, I wouldn't go marching with Black Lives Matter organization because these demands, most of them, I think are just, are, are just not, just, I, just, I don't agree with them. They have the right to demand these things. They have that right. They're American citizens, but I don't agree with them. And so that's where I would differentiate the two. So uh, today's broadcast is a little longer than normal. And I know I'm going to get a lot of feedback from, uh, from you that are watching this or listening to it. And I look forward to it, all right? So listen, everybody. Blessings. And I want everybody to know this weekend I'll be at Big Valley Grace teaching on the Modesto campus Saturday night at 6 and Sunday morning 9 and 11. And if you're in the area, come by and say hi, okay? Blessings, everybody.